Hey everyone, we're going to move into our time of reading scripture this morning. Um, Today's scripture passages um, are from John chapter 4. We're going to read from verse 43 to the end of the entire chapter, and then we'll be reading in Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 through 13. Um, So if you have a Bible, a pew Bible, you can look at the table of contents and we'll show you what page it is to make sure that it's the same page. Um, Again, that's John 4 and Matthew 5. Um, If you also don't have a Bible, we believe the the Word of God is living and active. And if you need a Bible, there's a sticker that says you can take the one in the pew with you if you need it, for you or for a friend. Okay, start reading. John chapter 4 from verse 43. After the two days, he left for Galilee. Now Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they also had been there. Once more he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. This was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. Then Matthew chapter 8, starting from verse 5. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, My servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where they will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. So the word of the Lord written for his people. Thank you, Femi. I remember when Brandon came to me and he said, uh, I want to move to New York, but I met a girl. Well, tell me about this girl. I think she might be the one. Do you think it'd be okay? Do you think God would care if I didn't go to New York for a year and got to know this girl? 
I said, I think God understands human heart. So a year later, we had 40 of their friends in our living room, all crouched down. Brandon brought Lydia over because he had just asked her to marry him. And they came in and everybody yelled surprise and she was so shocked she fell on the floor. Everybody had a good time. And uh, a few months later I got to marry him. It's good to see God working in their lives. Can you imagine coming into a group of people where you have the power to shape their life in the way that they should go and all they want to do is eat and be entertained? Many of you thinking, yeah, I'm a parent. (laughs) What's the big deal about that? That's the place that Jesus finds himself in um, in these last few passages. A father finds his son sick without the aid of modern medicine. The father, a Roman centurion, who has pledged to Caesar as his recognized deity, comes to Jesus because he hears of Jesus' healing powers. In the midst of his plea, Jesus rebukes the Gentiles for seeing but not believing. But then centurion has faith. It might be misplaced or maybe not understanding the extent of what that faith can get him. He just wants his son healed. But Jesus answers the plea after rebuking the Gentiles for asking for a sign. Jesus turns out to be who he claims to be. The centurion's family experienced the grace of God, and they all live happily ever after. Amen. Almost. It's a... An interesting passage, and and I want to explore a little bit about signs and wonders and their relationship to the foundation of understanding authority and the authority in Christ. A couple quick stories to kind of hang the message on. In 2008, um, I was off the road for a week, and so I decided to drive down to Charleston, South Carolina, to hear Franklin at one of the crusades there. And the next morning I got there, and there's always a team meeting at 8 o'clock. Everybody connected, comes in. And Franklin came in a bit late, and Franklin was angry. Now, that's not an uncommon thing for Franklin. He was forceful in his, in his thoughts and in his speech. And he said, I'm done preaching to the church. From now on, no more crusades in North America. We're going to address the gospel to the youth because the church is simply using us for entertainment, which was true. I thought back of the last few crusades that I had attended, and over the years, Billy Graham had used um, artist of the day, Christian artist, and on the platform, and and it was a drawing card. Uh, It was also a means of good worship and setting climate for preaching the gospel. But something had changed. The church had got comfortable in the 90s and 2000s, and going to church was a popular thing, and we got comfortable in our bigger churches, and music had changed, and it was more entertaining. It wasn't as much directed at God as it was God directed at us. And Franklin was just tired of it. So a year later, I traveled to St. Louis, and we had 63,000 Uh, teens and college kids under the arch in St. Louis and the gospel was preached all day long between sets of bands that were the popular bands of the day. We saw about 9,000 kids 
to profess Christ that day. And that was a series of four up the river called Rock the River. And, and what happened was, even then, we saw that youth groups around the country that were connected to the event didn't follow up. The church was not interested in discipleship. The church was not interested in evangelism. The following year, I toured across the country over an eight-month or eight-week period and met with 100 uh, pastors of evangelism. Now, you've got to be a pretty good-sized church to have that slot on your staff. And what I found to my dismay is of 100 pastors of evangelism, one had led somebody to Christ in the previous six months. And I tell that story because sharing our faith, recognizing who Jesus is, the mandate to believe in him is important to God. It's the commission that Jesus gave to the church. And, and it's appropriate that in this story, there's a centurion. Because the centurion understood authority. He came to Jesus because his son was, thick, was sick. Now, different translations use different titles. One says it's a, a noble official and a servant. Um, Matthew, it says a centurion, his son. I believe it was a centurion because just an official wouldn't be that concerned about a servant. To drop everything and go to someone who was not his deity, but someone who obviously had the authority over sickness. To humble himself and position himself to beg for his son's healing. And it's interesting that in the midst of this encounter, Jesus seemingly rebukes him, but he's not rebuking him as much as he is the Gentiles. If you notice, there's a phrase in the Matthew 8 passage that says that many will come from the sons of Abraham and Jacob across to the feast, and they will be rejected. It says they come from the kingdom of heaven. That's a phrase that was used to denote the Israelites. And who was rejecting Jesus? It was the Israelites. And so he says, many have come in the name of Jesus, in the name of God, but are rejecting the authority of Jesus, rejecting the, the person of Jesus, and they'll be cast out. But then he looks at this centurion and says, because of you, you believe, because you understand the chain of command, your son is healed. The authority of Jesus is not something to be toyed with. It's not something to be second-guessed. I had the privilege of uh, picking up four-star general Hondo Campbell one day. He was the keynote speaker. Every three years, we brought in 350 cadets out of the four academies across our nation and um, picked him up beautiful little Air Force jet he had his two aides and we just left the plane and are headed back up to the cove and the the phone rings and the major hands him the phone and I could hear through the speaker 
please hold for the President of the United States. Now that was not an uncommon thing for General Campbell, so he took it and said, hello, and the conversation was the one where President Obama was ordering 30,000 troops into Afghanistan in 30 days. He says, yes, sir, and hangs up the phone. I pulled over and I said, you need to return to Washington. He said, no, I can initiate that from here. What I have the privilege of doing for my commanding officer, God the Father, supersedes my need of presence. I get to address 350 young military officers reminding them of who they are in Christ Jesus and the authority that they hold first in their hearts to him as they're ready to serve our nation. And I'm thinking, what an amazing thing to just witness. The man who just was called by the President of the United States understood the chain of command in such a way that he stayed to do the duty that he was to perform in addressing these young men and women. And on Sunday night, as the closing was coming about for the, the time with these cadets, the speech that, that Hondo gave, it was patriotic. Everybody in the room was in full uniform. But they weren't on their feet because of the United States of America. They were on their feet because of the authority that Hondo painted of Jesus. And the commissioning as officers in our military on that basis to do what is good, to do what is right, to protect law and liberty. And it was an amazing moment as I watched the entire spectrum of someone who understood and had every right at the command of the President of the United States to return and say, I'm sorry, I can't attend your function. But he knew the authority of the Father. He knew the authority of Jesus. So from a distance, without touch, without medicine, based on the understanding of this centurion, Jesus gives a command, your son is healed, and he was. And on the way home, his servant runs and meets him, and he asks, when did this happen? And he tells him, and he understands that at the moment that Jesus said, it was accomplished. And that was significant to the centurion because it cemented the fact that Jesus was indeed Lord over sickness. And if he's Lord over sickness, what else is he Lord over? And he believed because he understood the deity of Jesus. So we come to this passage and there's a coin. There's, two, there's a coin that has two sides. On one side is the signs and wonders. And the other side is the authority of Christ. And it's a question that we struggle with because who doesn't like signs and wonders? Who doesn't want to be a part of a miracle? So what's the purpose of a signs and wonders? What's the purpose of a miracle? Now, yes, Jesus is compassionate. I was in a particularly painful moment 
during staff prayer one day and, and the team laid their hands on me and, and prayed and I, I felt bad because if you live in chronic pain, then it's just part of life. We all live with something, it's difficult. And, and I kind of played it off and Nick said, no. Or I think I said, I want to be healed so I can accomplish. And Nick said, no, Jesus is just compassionate. And he is. He does care for you. He does love you. But even in that, signs and wonders point to something. They point to Jesus. If you come to the end of a road and there's a stop, or an intersection and there's a stop sign, you stop. Not because there's a sign there, but because if you go through that, you're breaking the law. If there's a yield sign, if there's a hospital this way, it directs you to something. It tells you to do something. But the sign in of itself is of little consequence. It's just a directional that takes you someplace. And that was the purposes of the signs and wonders that Jesus was performing. It was meant to take people someplace, to acknowledge something in their hearts and minds, and that was the authority of Christ. It was to acknowledge who he is. Listen to these verses. Matthew 7, 28. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Or Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus approached them and said, all authority in heaven. That's such a familiar verse that we miss it. It says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. John 5, 27, and he, the Father, has granted him authority to carry out judgment because he is the Son of Man. Romans 13, 1 and 2, let every person be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except by God. And those that exist are put in place by God, so then the one who resists authority resists the ordinance which is from God. And those who resist will receive condemnation on themselves. Now, that's a verse that Christians get in trouble with sometimes. It doesn't say you have to recognize the person in that office, but you do have to recognize the office of authority that is placed over you. And saying, or 1 Timothy 2.2 says, so that people can live in peace and prosper. Parents can be bad parents, but children are still meant to honor them. Somebody in civil authority still has that authority, whether we like them or not. We're not meant to grumble against them or the office. We're meant to do what is possible within the framework, but we are meant to understand the authority of the office that God put in place. And then finally, Ephesians 1.19, and what is surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? according to the working of his mighty strength, which he has worked in Christ, raising him from the dead and seating him at the right hand in heavenly places above all rule and authority and power and lordship and every name named, not only in this age, but in every age to come. And he subjected all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all things. The authority of Jesus underlines his divine status. 
John 8, the demons responded to Jesus. What do you want with us, Son of God? One of the things that we struggle with is our human nature. And it presents a root problem in us. See, to not be a Christian is easy. You don't have to do anything. But there's a reason that God intervened into the world. And that reason wasn't because he was lonely. It wasn't because he wanted a few of his children around that he had created. It was because he understood the opposing authority, the one that had been given rule over the nature of man. Each one of us, I've said before, if you want to see defiance, if you want to see evil as the root of human nature, just listen to a two-year-old. If any parents ever taught their child to say no, no, it comes in the package. Defiance is natural because we don't want anybody telling us what to do. We have this illusion that we're in control. And it's difficult to accept anything from God because when we accept something from God, we have to recognize his authority. And when you recognize the authority and position of God, you have to recognize that he's above you. And that's simply not acceptable. After all, I have my own truth. When you look at the issues of the world today, gender, um, honoring, parent issues, and the list just begins to grow. Every one of the issues is directly against the authority of truth, the authority of God. The authority of God is presented in God's word. Why? See, Satan does, who seeks to devour you, who seeks to control you, who seeks to keep you away from Jesus, does not have to take you down with cancer. He doesn't have to make your life miserable. All he has to do is control the way that you think. That's why Romans 12:2 says, capture your thoughts. Take control of your mind. Subject them to truth and understand what God's will is for you. When I live according to culture, but label myself Christian, there's a conflict. Why does Nick speak against worldliness to such, with such fervor, with such uh, frequency? Because it's absolutely necessary that we daily subject our minds and our thoughts to the cross, to Jesus Christ. Recognizing that he is the one in authority. When the Bible says you must believe, that wasn't an opinion. That was God saying, in the world that you live in, I intended that you live in, in harmony with me. But because of the way things have played out, that is not the truth, in, the case anymore. You now live 
in harmony with the world. And so he had to re-interject himself into mankind. He had to put his son on the cross so that we could receive that and come back in line with the intent of God at creation. See, if I want to be a successful person and live in relationships like I'm meant to live, live in a marriage that is flourishing, be an employee, be an employer, be a friend, be that way in every um, descriptive means of the Bible, I can't do it from a selfish heart. I can't do it if I'm in control. I can only do it if I'm back in harmony with my Creator, if I have reestablished Him as Lord, if I have reestablished myself living under His authority. I've heard Nick, I think he said it from the platform, look at culture and then do the opposite. Why is that a true statement? Because everything that Satan wants to direct in culture is meant to take you away from God. You cannot recognize and understand the authority of Jesus Christ and ignore him and think you're a Christian. You can't do it. Why is evangelism, discipleship, the things that Brandon and Lydia talked about, so critical to the church? Why did Franklin have to change course after his daddy preached himself around the globe tens of times, seeing millions of people come to Christ? Why did he need to change the MO? Because it wasn't working anymore. I have to ask the question, what do we need to change to reach Madison? What do you need to change to reach your neighbor? How do you need to think differently? How do you need to ponder and understand the authority of Jesus Christ in your life and who you are as a person in Christ in order to fulfill what Jesus told the church to do? How do you need to change at work? How do you need to change in family structure so that the identity of Christ is the identity that is seen, not somebody in the flesh wanting to be in control? Because we serve Christ for the purposes of Christ. That's what the centurion understood. That's what Hondo understood. That God even was greater than the president. And while he could still fulfill, although he grumbled about putting 30,000 men anywhere in 30 days, he could fulfill that command while still being true to the Father. It's easy to accept gifts that don't expose us, but when we accept a sign or a wonder or a miracle, it exposes us in the same way that being in a dark room and a bright light shining in us makes us, us wince. It hurts because we're exposed. We're no longer hidden. Why do we do the disciplines? Why do we read our Bible? Why do we pray? Why do we come to worship? Why do we gather corporately? 
because those are the times when the Holy Spirit helps expose our inner person and allows us to step away from that, allows us to give the courage because others are doing it, to continue living as we are called to live in Christ Jesus. When Jesus acts in our behalf, the supernatural allows us to see our weaknesses. It's not meant to be an act in itself. It's meant to be something that points us to somebody else. A friend of mine who uh, is an apologist but never really understood at the time the work of the Holy Spirit got back from preaching a, uh, or doing a series on apologetics down in Brazil, several different locations. And he said he was in a large um, soccer stadium, very naturally built, built kind of in between two, va- or two hillsides, and the hillsides were where the seating was. And there was a plateau, but there was very little vegetation around. And he said during the end of one of his messages, he looked over in the plateau and there's these uh, three young men in the 20s. He's a little bit of an odd duck because he's an apologist, but he's also an evangelist. Most apologists just want to argue, tell you they're right. He actually cared about the heart. And so as soon as he was done, he turned the meeting over to somebody else and he made a beeline for that hillside. You could tell they were listening, but the problem when he got there was they spoke Portuguese and he spoke English. And he said, I, I didn't know what to do. He said, I bowed my head. When I looked up, there was an old man standing there. And he said he was a typical Brazilian old man. He had a long white beard and beautiful wooden cane. And he's kind of hunched over a little bit. And, and he said something to the old man in English to see if the man spoke English. And the man replied. So he began to tell the old man what he wanted to tell the young men. He said, and the old man just went like this to me. And he turned and began to speak to these three young men. And within three or four minutes, the young men were on their knees crying. And one of them spoke forcefully to the old man, and the old man looked at him, and he said, uh, They want to thank you for bringing Christ to them. They've all three just accepted Christ. He said, I bowed my head and I just thanked God very quickly and I looked up and the old man was gone. He said, I'm looking and there's no vegetation. He's nowhere to be found. And he's thinking, what just happened? And he wasn't on the ground more than two or three hours and he calls me. Because we had had a lot of conversations about the Holy Spirit and signs and wonders and various things and their purpose. And he says, Mike, and he retells the story. What was that old man? (laughs) I said, would you believe it if I told you that was an angel? And he said something very funny for this PhD. He said, do angels speak Portuguese? (laughs) I said, that one did. And it opened up a whole new world because he was resistant to all of that 
but in his world's travels, he kept running into it. See, we don't run into signs and wonders in this country near as much as you would if you were in South America, Africa, Western Europe, Russia, parts of Asia, most of Asia. Because in Western culture, we just simply don't believe it exists. So we've given Satan a heyday. When's the last time you watched children's cartoons? How many of the figures are supernatural? How many of the movies that you go to are supernatural? Aliens, people morphing. We've taken what was evil and we've relabeled it as entire entertainment. And so we just disregard the supernatural. But in the places that I mentioned around the world, they can't afford to call it entertainment because it's a real deal. A Christian in Georgia, Albania, um, Southern Africa, Mid-Africa, Congo, they deal with the evil on a daily basis. In fact, typically, the one in control of the village or the town equals a shaman. They have an authority, but not given by God, but given by Satan to perform and to destroy, to coerce. And when they come to Christ and find that greater authority, there's a battle that they step into. If you want to read about it, go to Ephesians 6.10 following. And we have to wake up. We have to recognize that there is a battle. And the reason that the authority of Jesus is displayed in God's Word is to give us some understanding. So when we encounter it, one night Nick and Estelle and I were at a, a lady's house who were seeing things move on the table and things move on the walls and red, red eyes looking at her at night in the bedroom. And she was very aware of the occult and understood that there was a different power that she sought. And she came to Christ, and then she, in the authority, she understood the process, because she had played in the process on the evil side. And I said, no, you pray in the authority now of Jesus. And all those things stopped because the demonic powers were no longer in existence in that home. Now, the problem with miracles is we get caught up in them and we forget to look past as to the author. Many, many people have been healed who do not follow Christ. Many people in Jesus' day ate the loaves and fishes. They witnessed the miracles without understanding the deity of the one who provided the power for the miracle. It's not the miracle. It's the one that is assigning the miracle. It's the authority of Jesus. I want you to watch this video. 
about the authority of, the, of Jesus Christ. To the old uh, Fort Lauderdale question, if you were to die tonight and, and, and you were getting entry into heaven, what would you say? If you answer that, and if I answer it in the first person, we've immediately gone wrong. Because I, because I believed, because I have faith, because I am this, because I am continuing. Loved ones, the only proper answer is in the third person, because he, because he. Think about the thief on the cross. What an immense, I I can't wait to find that fellow one day to ask him. How did that shake out for you? Because you were, you, were, you, were, you were cussing the guy out with your friend. You'd never been in a Bible study. You'd never got baptized. You, never, you didn't know a thing about church membership. And, and, yet, and yet, you made it. You made it. How did you make it? That's what the angel must have said. You know, like, what are you doing here? Well, I don't know. What, what do you mean you don't know? Well, like, because I don't know. Well, you know, we, uh, uh, did, <laughs> excuse me, let me get my supervisor. Then you'll get the supervisor ranger. So we have just a few questions for you. First of all, are you, are, you, are, you, are you clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? Guys, said, I've never heard of it in my life. And, and what about, uh, let, let's just go to the doctrine of scripture immediately. This guy's just staring. And eventually in frustration, he says, on, on what basis are you here? And he said, the man on the middle cross said, I can come. In your hearts today, do you know why you serve Jesus? Is it because of what he can do for you? Which there's a myriad of things that he does for us. But those are secondary to the fact that he simply deserves our allegiance. Because he is God. Because he is Lord. Because he died for us. Because he intervened into a world that was going to destroy us. And he loved us so much that he stopped that. If we looked to him and invited and accepted the invitation. Our world is shifting. And in some ways it's it's a very scary shift. Because the things that are pushing away from the kingdom of God are gaining notoriety. God doesn't require of us because he's a controller. He requires of us because he's a lover, because he's just, because he fights for what is right and holy and righteous. And in that, he has invited you into that relationship. And where every once in a while we have to stop because we get comfortable as Christians being Christians, 
not recognizing that we're not just living in the fancy, we're living in the mission field, we're living in the battlefield. And we are being called out to proclaim his goodness because he's king, because he's Lord, because he's Savior. And yes, you're meant to enjoy your Christian life. And yes, you're meant to enjoy your friends. And yes, you're meant to enjoy the profits of your hand. But not to the degree that you forget who Jesus is and you live according to his will and ways. And that the profits of your hands might just be for the sustaining of the kingdom of God and the message of the Father. And the reason that you have friends is to influence for Jesus. And the reason you have family is to shape disciples as they leave your home and go into a world that needs them. Jesus is worth following. What you believe is the most important thing about you that you can control. So what do you believe? Is Jesus Lord? And does he have the authority to back it up? Because if he is, and he is, make no mistake about it, then your life lived in his will and in his ways is the best life that you can live. Not directed by the culture, but by God's word. By gathering as the church, by listening, caring for one another, serving the body of Christ, and at the same time, letting it leak out. Because that's our mission. Those are our marching orders. Yes, you should be a great employee. Yes, Hondo had to send the 30,000 troops because he was ordered by the one man on the face of the earth that ordered him to do that. But he understood a higher calling. What is your higher calling? What is your higher authority? And how are you demonstrating in your life today who Jesus is, both here and here? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Father, help us to understand more than just a feeling, more than just something we think we ought to do, something that's more than just an idea, that you breaking into our lives wasn't just to avoid an accident. It was to change our trajectory. It was to give us a new way of thinking, 
a new way of living, of acting, being. Because this world is dying, and you represent life. Father, help us to evaluate as we go out of here today. Why do we believe you? And how do we exercise your authority? Do we treat you as last? Well, I guess nothing else has worked, so I guess I should pray. Or do we treat you as king? Even when we may not know the situation, ask for what only a supernatural deity could accomplish, and then believe. Father, if we need to change things, give us the courage to change them. It's tough sometimes following you in this world because the world is so loud, but your grace is sufficient. Your love is pure. Your motives are just, and you empower us by your present spirit. Thank you. Thank you for making it possible to be yours. In Jesus' name, amen.